0: finally find your healthy balance welcome to the healthy balance me podcast a place where you can hear from experts in the health wellness and fitness fields each week i'll catch up with a variety of specialists who will give you practical advice to help you achieve your healthy balanced lifestyle without missing out on actually enjoying it the uk not quite as pleasant weather um So, yeah, as Pete said, I'm a functional health coach. So I trained at the um, Integrative Nutrition School um, in New York. They do an online learning course. Um, And really, I started my journey, I guess, into health coaching because my husband and my youngest son both have food allergies. So both have um, gluten and dairy allergies. Um, And we really, really struggled to get them diagnosed. We, you know, my youngest son was having major stomach problems with constipation and diarrhea. And we were just routinely told that it's just one of those things. Just give him this medicine to make this better or, you know, to make him go more often or this medicine to stop him going quite so often. Um, And we really struggled to get a diagnosis of what was actually causing the problem in the first place. So instead of medicating, actually trying to get to the root cause of it. Um, And eventually we did get to the bottom of it with a functional medicine doctor and it really got me started on the path of really looking into nutrition and the food that we eat um, and the way that we look after ourselves health wise. So I started to do the integrative nutrition course um, and then got into health coaching. So now I work with um, mainly women actually um, helping them to heal their gut problems. Um, and in turn, through healing their gut, we're able to help problems with their skin, with their mental health, um, with their hair and nails, that kind of things, and bloating and stomach problems, stress, anxiety. So we quite quite often start from the point of view where they've got a particular health concern and then look at what's causing that health concern and work on it together.
1: Brilliant. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, if anyone's got any questions while well, we do have like a conversation, feel free to either you can unmute yourself or just, you know, put in the comments and I'll, I'll bring it up if you want. That's up to you. So, um, okay, cool, yeah, onto that. Uh, so yeah, the last, the first kind of question I got from the other guys in these other talks, Sarah's, I'd first ask them, what is what is the the meaning of health to you? What do you mean by health? Because I think uh, it's kind of been the term that kind of be thrown around for a while and, and everyone has this huge, Misconception, uh, it's such a huge range of what people define health is. So what's what's health for you?
0: Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, so for me, health is holistic. It's not just one thing. So you're not just healthy if you can run in a marathon, for example, your diet might not be all that great. Your stress levels might be through the roof. You might not sleep very well, but you're super fit and you can run a marathon. So for me, health is looking at all of those things put together. Um, And I really work with clients on the four pillars. So the four pillars for me is sleep, nutrition, movement, and rest. Um, And looking at all of those together. And also, I think health is completely individual. What's healthy for one person isn't necessarily healthy for another person. You know, our our gut microbes for example are a bit like our fingerprints no two people have the same gut microbiome as another person so it's completely different for everybody we eat differently we exercise differently we live our lives completely differently so i think it's having a look at that from a holistic point of view on an individual basis yeah
1: brilliant i think um yeah I think quite evident with the covid situation where people were you know these athletes and marathon runners were finding themselves being you know covid um, victims really and people seemed to believe that fitness was a as a you know was one of the things that would would protect you from covid which really it wasn't and then that being super fit is not really running a marathon you could run a marathon and completely be unhealthy
0: yeah absolutely like, uh, like
1: that uh, whole I- the image of fitness is I think should be changed now I think just because of that reason you know yeah you know, these people in the gyms people in gyms are not necessarily probably the most unhealthy people because they're you know in the outside they may look good but in the inside it's a whole different story like you said that microbiome is an interesting point what 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 kind of what makes up that microbiome Sarah do you think
0: okay so your microbiome is actually it, it, it there's more cells in your microbiome than there is human cells in your body so your microbiome is huge it weighs about four pounds if you were to take it out of your guts and your intestines and weighs it's about four pounds so it's actually formed originally when you're born so as you pass through your mother's birth canal as you breastfeed as a baby that forms your own individual microbiome so really really important and then to look after it, feed it, make sure it's given the correct nutrition to grow and develop and to be really, really diverse. Um, and your gut microbiome affects everything, every part of you and your health. Um, and there's a huge amount of research being done into it at the moment because if if your microbiome is out of balance it affects your health in lots of different ways so it can affect you in your skin issues bloating and gas and stomach problems arthritis arthritis is linked to gut health Um, things like alzheimer's are linked to gut health as well mental health depression and anxiety so any imbalance in your gut health is going to Come out as an inflammation in your body in some way or other, um, and you will experience it. So, really, really important to be looking after it and feeding it the right foods to keep it at its optimal level.
1: Yeah, um, I think one of those things I've, I've also read that there's, there is something like uh, you know, like a hundred million nerve cells uh, that line the gut. Mm-hmm. So the connection, so the the brain cells are the same. The same cells that are in the brain. So the connection between the gut and the brain is actually, um, there is communication there. So there yeah. are separate worlds, separate systems. So people don't realize that the, they operate differently. The gut can actually tell you what to do, but then the brain can also tell you another thing. Yeah. Which is, I think, which people kind of miss the point. So that if, if you're, you know, the feeling of hunger and stuff, it may not be your brain. It may just be your gut uh, feeding off what, what it's, you know, intuition.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating, actually, the gut-brain connection um, and how it works. And I think we all intuitively know that the two are linked. You know when you're feeling stressed or nervous, you get a bad belly. (laughs) And you know that when you have a bad belly, if you've had too much to drink the night before or you've got food poisoning and your stomach's not quite right, if your stomach's off, you feel it in your brain, you feel foggy and you can't concentrate and your mind's not working you get more anxious a lot of people say you know when they've been drinking or when they've got food poisoning that they get um more anxious about things and more nervous about things than they would normally um sort of because of that connection between the two and there's more and more research being done into it now than there ever has been and really just in the last few years that they're actually proving the connection that I think we all knew was there Instinctively and intuitively, anyway.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot of research that I kind of looked up as well to do with mental performance and, and how that um, and how to kind of manipulate that really to kind of get it, get a result that you want. The gut health is a huge part of that. Sleep, sleep, you know, plays a huge yeah. part. It manipulates uh, what food you actually want. You know, the, the hormones that are produced on the, on the lining of the gut is a result of you know what you're doing so it's a connection it's it's all quite intertwined the, like the systems of the body are all connected as well i think there's, like 11, there's 11 systems in the body that kind of operate together and the gut um the gut's probably connected to most of them but not, yeah. not essentially, it's not essentially a system but it's just basically um it's used within many of them so what like, what kind of like things do you come up with your clients these days? Is that you work with a lot of kids as well, kids and parents and
0: yeah, yeah. Um, more often than not, actually, with my clients, so they might come to me, for example, and say, "I can't sleep. I'm having real trouble sleeping. That's my major health concern." Um, but when I work with them, we talk through all the different actual areas of their life and start putting all those different things together. And more often than not, there's something that else that's causing them not to be able to sleep at night. So maybe their diet's not right and they're not feeding themselves properly. Or maybe um, they're stressed, actually, and they're really, really overworked and they're not giving themselves them brain enough time to have a break, there's something else going on in their lives that's causing the symptom that you're seeing. So when I work with my clients, I spend a lot of time working with them to find the cause of those symptoms. And it's quite often not the thing that you think it might be. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I think, you know, as people, we don't talk about our health. We don't sit and have these long conversations with somebody where they really question us (laughs) about how we feel. And how this works and how this connects with this you know we don't often have that time unfortunately so having a health coach is somebody that can help you connect all those dots together
1: yeah i think uh well we are built to seek out uh safety first and and and, and shelter and all that kind of stuff so we, we tend to lean towards the safest most comfortable kind of choices yeah, and often, often they're not uh, they're not
0: the best of foods. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And your you point before, you know, when you're not sleeping properly, you're tired. Your your brain feels foggy. You feel rubbish. So your body automatically is like, just feed me something that's going to give me energy. So you eat something that you think is going to immediately give you energy, like a burger or a Mars bar or something really high in sugar and salt and fat, but then that makes you feel rubbish. Ten minutes later as that sugar really kicks in or maybe you have a coffee and you think "Oh, i'll have a coffee because that'll keep me going but you've drunk so many cups of coffee then you can't sleep it the following night and it just turns <laughs> into a bit of a cycle that you can't get out of because all of those things are affecting each other
1: yeah like a be cascade of events
0: what yeah would be,
1: um, i've got a few rules i can't stick by with my food what would be what would be your kind of rules that you kind of give people so you, you, I, what, what kind of foods do you eat and stuff that, that you know that you found that worked
0: interestingly I when I work with my clients I tell them to forget food rules because I think <laughs> one of the biggest problems that we have is that we have all these rules around food and then we can't stick to them <laughs> Um, And we think we shouldn't eat cakes. We shouldn't eat sweets. They're bad for us. They're bad for us. So, right, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm not going to drink any alcohol. I'm not going to eat any cakes, any chocolate, any sweets. And those things that you're restricting is the one thing then you focus on and you can't get out of your head. (laughs) Um, And the more you restrict them, the more you think about them, the more you want them. So actually, I work a lot with my clients. Like, just forget all those rules. Try and work on giving your body nutrition, really listening to your body and what does it need um, and what would make you feel good. And sometimes it might genuinely be a donut that's going to make you feel good in that moment. So have the donut, don't feel guilty about it, enjoy it, move on. But the more you do it and the more you start listening to your body, the more you realize that actually if you're eating your fruits and vegetables, and it sounds very simple, but if you're eating them, you feel good you have more energy you'll sleep better at night and then that cascade sort of all builds up together um and that pattern works together so that you feel better you eat better you sleep better you've got the energy to exercise
1: yeah i think i kind of i kind of I stick to my rules my rules are 80 80 20 yeah eat, yeah 20 20 80 of the time i kind of what i need and then 20 i i try to I you know what I want
0: <laughs> yeah I think but you have to what eat what, what you want
1: sometimes right you've got to enjoy it <laughs> yeah keep yourself sane sometimes and just yeah kinda, definitely you know, make yourself feel good but it's it's yeah, well, yeah I, I generally kind of try to eat for function rather than over feelings but it's um, yeah it's, it's something that's quite hard for people to do and it's it's, it's something that's that whole thing with where your focus is your, if your focus is on the things that you can't have, you're going to be thinking about the things that you can't have all day. And then yeah. that's going to be repeated through your, you know, through your gut health. So all those brain cells and, and, um, and things are going to light up. So I think yeah, it's a big problem. Definitely. And that's that mental, that mental, that mindset kind of mixed with nutrition. If you focus on the wrong things, you're going to be focusing on eating the bad things rather than focus on the good things that you can eat then you'd be, you'd be fine so yeah. it, kind of, it, it does yeah rules for me it works but yeah sometimes it doesn't so it depends how you look at it it's quite yeah. it's quite
0: funny <laughs> one of the things I do recommend for my clients actually is to eat 30 different types of fruits and vegetables every week or to aim to eat 30 different types in a week which it sounds like a lot and it sounds really daunting but if you think that's nuts and herbs and beans lentils all the different fruits and vegetables it's actually not that hard to achieve and you could almost going back to your point crowd out the things that you don't want to be eating because you focus so much on eating the things that are good for you and that are going to give you that nutrition and if you start thinking of it in a way actually this is going to make me feel really good this is going to stop me feeling bloated this is going to give me more energy this is going to help me sleep better and yeah I might still eat a cake from time to time but actually I really want to eat this stuff because I feel so good now
1: yeah, I think um, there's a lot of research as well. So it's, if you there's certain things about what you're doing that you believe is that uh, that's always going to be true. If The things that you don't believe are never going to come true. So things to do with your eat, so how you take food is, is how your body is going to perceive that food. If you're going to eat something in a, in a stressful state, your body is not going to absorb things that it's, that it should, but it's gonna take things that it's gonna need right there.
0: Yeah, that,
1: you know, it will be the sugars. It's gonna be, um, you know, the whole thing about people eat on the run. They're gonna, your body is gonna absorb what it needs. And, that, and right then it's gonna be the, the instant sugars. Mm-hmm. You know, if from a person who sits down and, and eats long and chews his food and takes time, his body's gonna be relaxed. It's gonna absorb more food that body is going to be in a more relaxed state. So that yeah. that whole switch or that mental nervous system changes how you, how you absorb your food. So you could, you could be, you know, one person trying to lose 20 pounds and your exact same double could be doing exact same thing, but on a, a in a stressful walking around state, you know, still worried about work, thinking about work, trying to eat. One person will lose weight and the other person won't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, one person will look gray and one person will have color. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, it's the body is very, is, is reacts to minute kind of changes. So the, the the slight kind of changes or levels in food make a massive difference. And people kind of miss that. And that's a good, the whole thing about the, the that your 30 day kind of a week is kind of like what I give clients for like a success checklist. You know, it's, it's not it really, if you put 30 things, if you kind of, Kick them off every day 30 things you kind of build up and you know what yeah. you're taking you know if you it's don't have that success I, checklist
0: yeah I did it with my happen. kids as well because they were said I can't believe it mum there's no way we'd eat that and my kids are seven and ten they're young <laughs> um so I put a chart up on the wall and said right let's challenge ourselves see who can get to 30 and they really enjoyed it and towards the end of the week when they weren't up to their 30 they were trying everything and anything even if they didn't like it they'd give it a try And I said they could tick it off just to get up to that 30 and really challenge themselves. So it was a really good way of getting them to try some new stuff as well. Just going back to your point about eating on the run as well. I was listening to a really interesting podcast the other day. um, And the guy who was talking is a guy called Dr. Chatterjee, who's a functional medicine doctor here in the UK. And he was interviewing a French um, uh, journalist and he said to her in France, do you still sit and eat at the table for all of your meals and she said absolutely 100% of the time nobody eats a meal unless they're sat at a table in France still in 2020. Um, The kids do it they sit and eat breakfast together they sit down to eat lunch they don't snack between meals they literally sit down and eat their meals and they sit down and eat together as a family And I think, you know, we quite often look at the Europeans of having a much healthier lifestyle than we do in the UK and the US. And that's a really interesting comparison that actually people in Europe are still sitting down and having that meal in a non-stressed environment, completely relaxed, enjoying their food, enjoying eating it slowly, chewing it. Um, And the, the difference that that has on the health, I think is huge yeah i think
1: i've read a few things studies about um that's you know the same thing you look at the health of certain countries and and their, their cultures you know, a lot of uh you know tribes you know it's all sitting down eating and meals family meal time you look at the countries that don't have family meal time the people that are working late night shifts or moving on the run yeah that's they're the people who have the highest rate of heart disease and you know hypertension and, and, and even cancers and stuff like that so it's yeah prominent in that kind of area so you, you can see it everywhere uh, yeah it's, it's pretty easy to see how did you kind of like did you run any problems that you got two boys how did uh, how did you get that buy-in from the boys i know i know there'll be a lot of uh, parents and, and, and teachers and stuff and i can imagine uh, myself when i was a kid like eating eating food and i was you know when i was a kid i, I wanted to eat what i want and uh I, you know it was very hard to eat anything else
0: Yeah. It's difficult with kids. There's no, I wish there was a magic bullet, but there's not, there's there's no getting away from the fact that they are naturally going to want to eat sweets and junk and what all their friends are eating. You know, that's life. One of the things I do do, and maybe I'm a bit cruel, really, we don't have a lot of it in the house. (laughs) So it's just not there and readily available. But if they're at school, I let them eat it. Or if their friends are giving them sweets for a birthday, then they eat those sweets and quite happily. But We talk a lot about nutrition. So I talk to my kids about the gut bugs (laughs) Um, and particularly my seven-year-olds. We have random conversations like, oh, that'll make those gut bugs really happy. They're doing a big party in there because you've eaten a rainbow of fruit and veg today. (laughs) And just, I know it sounds crazy, but it's in a way getting their buy-in. And so they understand why you're telling them to eat the fruits and vegetables. You're not just telling them you have to eat this. You have to eat that. You're not allowed to eat this. This is good for you. This is bad for you. They kind of understand why it's good for them and why these foods should be, they can still eat but in moderation, so we talk about it a lot. Um, but my 10 year old did come home from school the other day and say, mommy I don't get it, why do we have to have these supplements and things and nobody else does? And <laughs> uh, why do we have to drink water and everybody else gets to drink squash? So it is tough, it's not easy, and they you know, I totally get that they're going to go away in their teenage years and probably run riot and eat the same way I did in my teenage years as well. (laughs) Just by trying to give them that grounding education, hopefully will give them enough knowledge to go on and understand and hopefully try and look after their bodies when they're older as well.
1: Yeah, I guess that will be the challenge of, uh, you know, what happens next and, and how can we kind of improve people's knowledge in nutrition? I think it's in line with yeah, the mindset of people and, and mental health is probably, is, is extremely linked to nutrition. I mean, mm-hmm. um, yeah, people satisfy themselves with, they satisfy their, their, their mental you know, illnesses with food and, and it causes a lot of uh, eating disorders, I guess. So it's, yeah. it's a big part of uh, mental
0: health is eating disorders. I think as well, you know, a lot of people don't make the link between the food that they eat and how they feel, which sounds, crazy but it i mean a few years back i i don't do well with dairy milk it doesn't make me feel very good it makes me bloated and it gives me brain fog and you know i generally don't feel very great on it but it took me quite a long long time to realize that that was actually what was causing me to feel bad (laughs) um and i think it's the same for a lot of people you know we don't make that link we just eat what other people are telling us is good to eat so that we should drink milk because it's full of calcium or we should eat this or we should eat that, eat in a particular way. We don't necessarily think about how that's making us feel and make that connection between how we feel and what we eat.
1: Yet we uh, we take so long to figure it out.
0: It's crazy, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Either we take a long time to figure it out or we ignore it completely and, and still continue to to eat bad food that we that doesn't go well
0: yeah yeah and the link like you said the link between what we eat and our mental health is huge it has a huge huge impact because you know eating heavily processed foods and lots of sugars is actually killing all the good bacteria within our gut So that stops them growing, stops them diversifying, causes a problem. And then that's impacting on our mental health as well. And as we were talking about before, you know, that real cycle of you're tired because you've not slept very well. So then you eat rubbish in the morning. Then you're not feeling all that great. So you give yourself a cake or a bar of chocolate because you're feeling a bit rubbish and you're feeling tired. And that real cycle um, and the effect that it has on how we feel and I think we know ourselves when you've got a bad stomach, when you've got a stomach problem, you feel rubbish, your brain feels rubbish, you can't concentrate and you do have that brain fog. So if you feel like that through just a small bout of food poisoning or a hangover and you're feeding yourself like that every single day. That cumulative impact on our mental health is huge. And it yeah. really can have a big impact just by changing what we're eating and making small changes at a time. So how do you, how do you get your clients to change habits? I know
1: habits is a big part of my life and what I kind of um, teach people, but how, how do you,
0: how do you get people to change their habits? Um, I mean, I think you talk about this a lot, how long it takes actually to change a habit. I think it's about 60 days Um, to develop a new habit it takes a long time Um, and one of the things I work with my clients a lot on is actually just taking it one at a time I think quite often with our health we do this whole right I'm going to start running I'm going to stop eating all the junk I'm going to go to bed at nine o'clock at night (laughs) Um, I'm going to make all these massive changes and I'm going to do them all starting on Monday and it's so much there's no way you could possibly keep up you're hungry You know, you're missing all those foods that you've been eating before that you were craving. So you're having those, you know, uh, what do you call it? You're having cravings because you're not eating all those foods. So one of the things I work with my clients is just pick one and start really, really small. So maybe your family meal, you'll add an extra vegetable to it tonight. And you'll try doing that every night this week with your family meals. Or maybe you just start going for a 10 minute walk every day. So rather than trying to push yourself to run five kilometers in the next week, just make sure you go for a walk every day this week. So I try and take it really slow baby steps and then let them add to them one step at a time.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. I, uh, I call that, uh, exercise snacking. <laughs> yeah. So they can kind of snack away at exercising and build that up from there like a 1%, 1% extra every time yeah that's funny so that comes to the next point what about the supplements kind of thing because i know that supplements are a big part of like generally most people i'd say 90 95 percent of people are taking some sort of supplement for you know a range range of things what is kind of the impact? i know from what i've read it's it's a it's a huge impact on the the microbiome and um, i know the variety the variety that we need for a microbiome is quite um, independent but it needs to be a huge it needs to be a huge variety but that supplements tend to not be really in the realm of real food so mm. they don't do that like i don't think they really add to that microbiome and, and they're probably not really worth it in my mind unless you had some sort of you know severe deficiency have you yeah, any experience with your so, parts like
0: that? so supplements for me i would recommend not doing taking any actually apart from vitamin d vitamin d is the one supplement that everybody should take. So as you pointed out before, I actually lived in Dubai for 15 years, I had my blood tests done, and I was deficient in vitamin D, even living in Dubai where the sun shines every day. (laughs) Um, And particularly here in the UK, where it's fairly cold and damp most of the time. (laughs) Really, really important for actually everybody should take a vitamin D supplement. And quite often the people with darker skin are the ones that have less vitamin D in their bodies as well, which is actually one of these links with COVID that seems to keep coming up, that vitamin D could be potentially linked with it. And actually, people with darker skin are more likely to, to get COVID. So, definitely taking a vitamin D for absolutely everybody is a recommended. Other than that, I suggest taking a blood test, going and getting your bloods checked. So, a functional medicine doctor can quite easily check all your bloods and tell you what you're deficient in and actually then you can supplement based on the things that you're deficient in rather than taking one of these multivitamins that I think most of us know if you don't need them you'll just pee them out (laughs) you know Um, and you have to be very careful that you're not taking too much of supplements as well because that can have some adverse impacts as well Um, yeah and also on the subject of uh, supplements I really think we should be looking at our diet instead of supplementing so the supplement might be a great way to just get you over that period where your blood tests are showing that you're deficient in something yes take a supplement for the time being but figure out why actually you're deficient in say vitamin c or vitamin k or any of the other vitamins and try and change your diet to incorporate more of those foods that would help you build that up naturally
1: yeah I think um, I think most of them you don't you don't really know how much volume or kind of minerals or vitamins are originally in that pill. I mean, there's I don't think they're widely um, regulated really. I mean, think a lot of people you might get ten percent or something in one pill, and then you know fifty one, and then one percent in the other. Yeah. So, so it's in, so inconsistent. Uh, in people uh, again, people after that quick fix, and that's that. I think that goes back to that mental resilience and grit of people these days they don't have the ability to go i would rather do something that's got more resistance and harder to do to get a better benefit the quality to search for quality rather than i just well maybe just take a load of quantity and then take a load of pills and then try and eventually i think i'll probably you know i should be able to hit that mark but yeah know, just assuming and having a guess when
0: yeah people, you can't you, really you can't supplement quality. for a bad diet you can't be in the processed foods and sugars and you know, cakes and junk food all day, every day, but then taking a multivitamin and think you're going to be okay. <laughs> it really yeah. is important, like you say, to take the path of more resistance, unfortunately, the harder path and really concentrate on your nutrition.
1: Yeah, and most of the case, that's probably with food as well. Food is exactly the same as everything else. Uh, you just got to take the, you know, the route that we did for centuries ago, take the yeah. yourself, know, it itself. Uh, it's got to be washed. It's gonna be this, it's gonna be that, it's gonna be the same, you know. It's it's gotta be you look for the quality of food. Quality is probably a big thing. How's the quality of UK food compared to Dubai? It's probably, it's probably a little
0: bit different cooking-wise, you no? Know? Yeah, it is actually. I would say that it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think depending on where the food comes from, a lot of the fresh fruits in Dubai are really, really good. <laughs> it's a really nice produce from sort of Asia and quite fresh. Um I think really it's probably most important produce wise is to eat in season. And I think it's something that we've really got out of as a entire population that we don't eat the fruits and vegetables that are in season that we're trying to eat imported fruits and vegetables. We want strawberries in December. My kids want strawberries in December in their lunchbox, for example. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's probably they get used to the, uh, use of the comfort of strawberries. <laughs> So used to having them in Dubai. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh I guess that they're probably much cheaper in the UK, I, I
0: gather. They're not, yeah. they're not very expensive <laughs> Yeah. It's definitely cheaper here for food than it is in Dubai, 100 <laughs> yeah. percent Yeah. It's well, interesting, in that so the the path of resistance that you were talking about as well. And I think you mentioned earlier that there's there's these blue zones around the world where people live to be centurions, where they have the most number of people that live to be over a hundred. And actually it's people in those populations that live this really natural life. They're living off the land, they're baking their own bread. They're walking to the shops. Um, they're moving in a way that's completely natural. They're not forcing themselves to do exercise for the sake of doing exercise, they're moving naturally they're eating food that's in season that's locally grown uh, and it's still got mud on it and that they've had to wash off. So you get all the bacteria from that, which is actually really good for you as well. So really living a natural life and trying to get us back to living that natural life is the healthiest for us, but which seems weird because that's actually the hardest thing for us to do these days.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's um, that's a good point actually on the, uh, you know, choosing fruit that's got you know the dents and the dirt and uh not not entirely perfect it's the uh it's those foods that i, I think they're actually more inclined to have more more, more uh, vitamins and produce more produce and vitamins that that you can source because that fruit has actually in court has actually more resistance in growing so it has better more handicap it's better it's a it's better quality because it's, it's mm. gone through that kind of the grit that survive so you get more out of that fruit or that or that vegetable because you do not so you can see the similarity between people you know the people that have gone through uh, you know, adverse situ- situations and stuff of like that the adversity that they come up stronger people it's the same with fruit fruit mm-hmm. that has been weathered and has been you know, people might see that it's got bruise on it but it's actually that fruit has that gives more. Than actually these perfect genetic kind of growth, perfect green looking fruit that comes out of a, you know, laboratory. <laughs>
0: you know. Yeah. No, exactly. Very, very true. Interesting.
1: So, in terms of um, what do you what would you say that would be kind of like? What's your process of kind of choosing food or cooking a, a type of thing? I know a lot of people choose their diets of what kind of what they want to do. I know there's a lot of football guys on this here that, that play rugby and they kind of choose that a lot of meat situation. They they probably eat mostly meat most of the time and uh, and beer. But uh, how does that kind of work? Because I think, uh, how do you suggest a diet to people? Is it just basically on how they feel and how they kind of, what they want to do?
0: Yeah, 100%. I think it's really important to, to not specify any diet to anybody, I think there's a huge number of people out there that say this is the diet, this worked for me, this is going to work for you. But as you pointed out earlier, you know we could eat exactly the same diet and react to it completely differently because of where we're from, our cultures, our history, our genetic makeup, and everything else, and the way our metabolism works. The whole shooting match. So it really is important to eat in a way that works for you. And for some people, keto is the perfect diet, for example. For other people, Atkins is, or uh, Mediterranean diet, all these different ways of eating might suit one person, but they don't suit you and the way you live your life and the way you actually like to eat. Um, So the, the one piece of advice that kind of runs through all of it is kind of the Mediterranean diet is probably the closest to the perfect diet and then interpreting that in a way that works for you. So if you're somebody that wants to bulk up, for example, you know, you're really into your sports and weightlifting and playing the rugby, maybe a diet that's heavier in meat is actually something that will work for you and more starchy vegetables and carbs is a good thing. Great, for other people that might not work for them, it might not suit their lifestyle and the way that they live, so then, finding something that really does work for you. So I try not to go down that route of doing diet plans or meal plans for somebody for a week. I work with them to help develop them for themselves, for what works for them.
1: Okay, cool. We've got a Kate from uh, Kate's got a question about metabolism. So she's asked, is it really interesting to hear she would like to know your opinion on uh, metabolism, how, why metabolism varies so much between individuals?
0: Oh, that's a really, really good question. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, there's probably a huge number of reasons down to our genetics, the country and the cultures that we were born into, you know, the way that we're able to process foods in our bodies is completely different. And if you look at these blue zones around the world, for example, the people that live the longest, they don't all eat the same diets. And if you fed them the diets that some of the other blue zones would eat, they would put on weight or they would lose weight and they would really struggle on it. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why we're all so different. You know, the the climate that we were brought up in, the the gut bacteria that we've got basically from our history, from our genetics passed down from our parents, is completely different. Um, And if you've got, I don't know, for example, a Northern European microbiome type (laughs) within your gut and you're feeding eating a diet that's um based on another part of the world that's much much warmer uh, much more tropical then you're not going to metabolize the food in the same way and you're not going to thrive as well on it hopefully that makes sense
1: (laughs) yeah tough question though i think it's uh it's something that's still being studied and, and, and people still debate it yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's, a, it's, it's a good debate. It's, it's a whole, you know, um, yeah, it's interesting. There's also that one that you know, gluten or gluten free diets is, is another debate. Where can we where can we sit on that, Sarah? I know that uh, I'm I'm all for gluten, so I I know it's it's got some great properties, and it's uh, we actually need gluten. It's a, yeah, it's essential a, a part of us. So I don't know like, I, this whole concept of people trying to. Uh, convinced that they don't need it
0: is, is kind of is ludicrous to me but yeah, yeah. Uh, look again we're all individual so Glenn my husband and my youngest son a complete allergy to gluten it would make them really really sick if they ate gluten they would be really unwell so obviously steer well clear of it I think you know yourself right same with me with dairy I know that if I drink uh, milk or cream or yogurt it makes me feel rubbish and so I just don't eat it I'd rather stay away from it Same with people eating gluten. If you're eating a sandwich that's got gluten in it and you're feeling really bloated and sluggish, then maybe it's affecting you. But maybe, sorry, you're just eating too much. And I think that's probably one of the biggest problems these days that people are eating way more than their bodies were intended to eat. So they're eating gluten for breakfast. Maybe they're having toast or cereal for breakfast. Then you're having a sandwich or a bowl of pasta for lunch. And then you're having, I don't know, a pizza for your dinner. So you've eaten gluten three times in really heavy quantities throughout that day. And it's way more than we were intended and should eat. So if you are having a reaction to it, I would recommend taking it out and then slowly reintroducing it. And a lot of people, when they slowly reintroduce it, won't have a reaction. It's when you have lots and lots of it that it really starts to build up and makes you feel unwell. So yeah, back to your point. I would never recommend that somebody takes it out wholeheartedly for no yeah, reason. I think unless, you just have unless, to,
1: yeah. Unless it's absolutely necessary, then I, I really don't. I don't recommend it. Otherwise, your body will kind of get used to that stuff. But um, it's it's the same as you know taking anti uh, anti inflammatories and painkillers and stuff of like that. And the body and the gut again. Back to the gut because you, you kind of you numb all those receptors, so you tend to. Mix up and you kind of really unbalance that uh, that microbiome, that, that those systems that they operate. You know, one thing your body makes one thing to downregulate something. You know, you you make you release a hormone to upregulate something. If you mess with one thing, it'll 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 debalance the whole thing. So that metabolism that you're that you know that everyone kind of raves on about, if you you like a almost a buzzword these days. You know, I've got, a, I've got a slow metabolism. I've got, a, I've got a, a quick metabolism. I can do what I want kind of thing. Oh, I can't do that. I've got a terrible metabolism. It's, you know, at the end of the day, if your metabolism stops, you don't have one, you die. Okay. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's true. So, so I think <laughs> a, a lot of people forget that, you know, I don't think people understand what, what they're actually referring to when they talk about metabolism. It's, it's, it's the reaction the body has. It, it doesn't exist. It's, that means you cease to exist. Yeah. so it's, you can either you can, again upregulate it and speed it up or you can downregulate it and slow it down but yeah. that is purely because of what you eat and how your body reacts to that so and then the, the adverse reacts to that to your mindset and how you how your mood is will have an effect on your success in life because it's how people perceive you if you're eating foods that are that are in line with making you feel good and change the way your mood is people pick up on that and when you walk into the office after you know smashing 10 croissants which i occasionally do sometimes (laughs) you you may you may your body is uh in a huge kind of reaction to downregulate those all those glucose you know you get a huge rush and then your mood will actually be affected which will of course change the way people will see you and, and approach you with, with, uh, with work things. So your success and your finance, your, you know, your relationships to your you know wives and husbands and girlfriends is, is affected by how you, how you eat food. So that connection again, between food and that mind is, 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 uh, is huge. I think people really kind of really missed the boat on that one, which yeah. is uh, it's astonishing that people really don't realize it.
0: Yeah, I think we hugely under, uh, underestimate the impact of what we eat and the knock on effect that has on so many different areas of our lives. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're, fe- you're eating junk food day in, day out and you're not going to get any and you're not getting any exercise, then effectively you've got slow metabolism because <laughs> your body's not its struggling to function in the way that it should. But if you're eating lots of fruits and vegetables and you're getting some exercise every day, you're getting your seven to nine hours of sleep every night, then that will affect your metabolism, as it were. And you will feel better. You will move better. You'll go to the toilet more often, (laughs) you know, all of these different things. And anything that we do to knock that out of balance and not take care of ourselves will have an effect. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah absolutely so when it was like, i know these guys that come to the training and um you know they're, they're bouncing around like rabbits the young fellas and then but the uh you see the, the veterans and the guys that have you know you know been there for a while uh, are, are totally different they're complete opposites you've got the under 19s over one side and then you got the, the you know the seniors on other side you know between the between 25 and 45 you've got yeah, it's, it's it's totally different because they're, they're you know it's their work environment obviously different the food is obviously different the the mental mindset of what they're doing how they use their food is, is totally different
0: yeah so when
1: people kind of people get addicted to what they do so it's, it's you know they're rewarding themselves with with uh, with how they act you know the actions but yeah it's it's a uh, yeah, it's an interesting one, but um, there's also, you know, you get uh, supplements, rewards. We talk about rewards, but the receptors again in your gut that you got op- opioid receptors, which which is is also found in the brain. So the the stimulants that you get from eating food that give you the rewards in your brain are, are actually found in your gut as well. So yeah, you know, you can get your gut gets addicted to food as well as your brain gets addicted to Actions or you know um, things in the um, you know events like you get addicted to things just like your gut
0: gets addicted to food. Absolutely, and making those changes are really really hard. There's no getting away from it. I think one of the things I work a lot with my clients on is not beating yourself up and just being a bit kinder to yourself. You know, if you didn't know before that's what the way you were eating. Now you know better. How can we start to change it? And instead of you know, trying to go on a diet and say, Oh I just can't help it. I can't stop eating cakes and chocolates. I'm so weak. I'm this. And you know, the way we speak to ourselves is horrendous when actually your gut's addicted to these foods, your brain's addicted to these foods. It's going to take some time for you to change your nutrition and change the way you eat. And for your gut to actually say, Oh, this fruit and vegetable actually tastes really nice because it's so used to eating foods that are heavily processed. And the 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 some of these food manufacturers for example, mcdonald's and burger king they spend billions on research scientists making food as highly addictive as possible getting the exact point to make you addicted to that food so getting the food the fat content right the sugar content the salt content to keep you going back for more it's crazy how much money they spend on it and how they manipulate us into eating those foods.
1: Yeah, it, it is. It is quite uh, incredible. They they know what uh, to give us because they know what you know what foods are addictive. Yeah. So you know, um it's uh, it's crazy. You, you won't. Yeah, I think the uh, organic versus organic or, or, uh, non-organic foods is quite a big industry these days. You don't see. I think they see more and more fast food joints bringing that organic food into the place, what kind of, what's your your take on that Sarah?
0: Oh, so when it comes to organic foods, and I can never remember which ones fall into which category, but there's the dirty dozen and the clean dozen, so some fruits and vegetables, so for example things like bananas, it's not really going to matter whether they're organic or not, they've got a really thick skin on them, you should be okay. Whereas others will be highly affected by the pesticides and the things that are sprayed on top of them have a really really thin skin and that will have got into the fruit itself. So you have to be much more careful. But to be perfectly honest, I think we should all just spend more time eating more fruits and vegetables. Would be a great start than worrying about whether they're organic or not.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that is that is probably a good start. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a first point of contact. Um, so actually,
0: I think yeah, you're it's right. The good quality of food. Yeah. Yeah, and you know some of this stuff it might be organic, but you still don't know what's going in it necessarily. Some of these processed foods, I think, be really, really careful. It, my advice would be to go for eating foods as naturally as you can possibly get them and making them yourself, which isn't easy. I totally understand that, but yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, it is a bit, of, it's a bit of a minefield.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, so I've we'll got a little questions on my, my cheat sheet. So the food was I've
2: got my um, little... Sorry, Judge, Did you mind if I ask a question if that's okay? Yeah, man, yeah, sure, yep. Uh, so I just wanted to say, I couldn't agree with you even more about food and mood. I mean, when I was doing my exams in university, I had a lot of people around me who were just basically binge eating a lot of junk food. I thought just to test it myself and I basically just got into a routine of eating lots of fruit and veg uh, throughout the day and then throughout the night I'd eat a lot more carb based because I've read somewhere that more carbs you eat at night basically get better night's sleep supposedly but anyway it turned out that I actually got the best results I've ever, actually ever had in my, in my time of education um, which was interesting you did mention a point earlier on how you got to know your body to to know what's best for you so with your when you're working with clients, what do you tend to And that's Ed Off.
0: <laughs> yeah, lost him. Big oh, question. <laughs> you're on mute, mate.
2: Oh, sorry. Did you can you hear me now? Sorry.
0: Yeah, you're back again.
2: Perfect. Sorry, do apologize? Um, what happens do you tend to do you tell your clients to understand better about their diet? Like do you get them to write a diary about if they try food for one week or a meal and you write down their response and how they feel is that one way if you they find best to track how what food that's best for them or do you have any other alternatives that could help kind of understand your body better
0: yeah so food diaries is definitely one of them especially when it comes to things like food intolerances and trying to figure out if you are having bloating and brain fog and all those other symptoms of inflammation, actually figuring out what's causing that. So a food diary is a really good way of doing it um, and taking out all those foods and then slowly introducing them afterwards. So you introduce them one at a time. Um, and I think one of the things I learned from my husband and my son, because they're allergic to two different things, I would tried taking out gluten and I would tried taking out dairy, but never together, if that makes sense. So we never really got a result because we tried taking them out separately. So the, the, the main more common ones is gluten, dairy, corn, soy and wheat. So sort of the five most common ones. So if I do an elimination diet with somebody, we take them all out and then we'd introduce one for a week or so and see how you feel. But slowly introduce it rather than go crazy. So that definitely is one. Um, and then also just really sitting and having a conversation with somebody it's amazing how talking something through will make you go oh yeah actually I don't feel great when I eat that but i would never really thought about that before so Mm. just taking the time to really talk through it and have a think about it and have conversations and really start listening to your own bodies because I don't think we do it enough we're not taught to do it nobody really talks about it it's not something that we do instinctively. Um, but you know yourself if you eat something you feel quite bad quite quickly afterwards if it's reacted badly with you
2: yeah and and would you actually recommend like a three meal diet because I know that's quite old school in the sense of I've always been brought up to have breakfast lunch and dinner um, but I knew, do hear stuff that back in the past we actually never used to eat like that we'd always used to eat where never food was available and you know, would eat it in quick consumption, whether there's a predator around. But uh, in your research that you've obviously read and looked into, but is that actually always the best case? Or is actually like some intermittent fasting is actually quite good for you uh, compared to a three-platform diet?
0: Yeah, so again, I think it's about finding out what works for you. Intermittent fasting, I am a huge fan of 100%. And I think I recommend that everybody has 12 hours overnight where they don't eat or drink anything and just give their body a complete break. Because that's when all of your cells in your body will repair and regenerate during that period. And I think with the snacking, we kind of snack quite late into the evenings and that includes drinking teas, having a glass of wine, having a bit of a chocolate while you're watching a movie, but popcorn or whatever in the evening. And then we wake up and first thing in the morning, we have a coffee and we have breakfast. So we're instead of getting that 12 hours, it's making it a much shorter window for our body actually to do what it, needs to do overnight and have that break and regenerate so I always recommend that people take 12 hours um what else was I going to say um and then the three meal thing as well there's some really it's kind of a new area of research, and there's a guy called Tim Spector. I don't know if you've heard of him. He, mm-hmm. He's written some really fascinating books about gut health and done an awful lot of research, and he was talking a lot in a podcast I was listening to a couple of days ago about snacking and how we never used to snack, and people now think they're going to die and pass out from hunger if they haven't eaten every two or three hours, <laughs> when actually our bodies are intended to have a break in between our meals. Mm. interesting to have that rest time to do all the things that they need to do to process that food rather than sticking something else in there half an hour later or i need i need a snack to keep me going we don't actually need snacks and a lot of these european countries they don't do snacks certainly not like we do in the western world
2: oh thank you very much thank you that's interesting
0: pleasure
1: i think the only diet that you probably shouldn't be taking
0: advice from is the western diet Yeah. (laughs) This is the only one that you probably shouldn't follow. Well the American diet is called the SAD diet, isn't it? Standard American diet, (laughs) SAD, SAD diet, which I think is perfect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just on curiosity, Ed. Yes, Georgie. Hey, what's your what's your diet like just for
2: just for curiosity? Um so uh in the mornings, I will tend to have, I see that as more as my, my, like my fruit intake. So I have like some yogurts, have my nuts, my blueberries, my pomegranates, uh, my apples, etc. And then at lunchtime, I'll tend to eat uh, less carbs, but more vegetables and meat. So whenever I do eat out, I will tend to have like a, a leafy salad followed by like a protein inside uh, or with it. And then in the evening, uh, I try not to eat past eight o'clock, but I always tend to have a bit more of my carb carb loading meal. Um, And that's basically my diet. And then on the weekends, it's kind of all over the place. So I'll tend to eat breakfast, I'll eat dinner if I have to, if I'm going out. But yeah, that's my basic diet plan.
1: Interesting. So, you got any advice for young Ed? On that? Yeah, that's a quite
2: a good point. Thank you. Thank you,
1: Jesse.
0: <laughs> Honestly, that sounds like a really good diet to me. You're getting all your fruits and vegetables. You're getting your carbs as well spread mm-hmm. out throughout the day. It sounds like you're giving yourself a good break overnight. Um, at weekends, I think, you know, we're all the same right you have to have a life as well we could all eat this perfect diet and have a 12-hour break every single mm. evening but there's nothing wrong with breaking that at the weekends and enjoying yourself and having a night out I, I think it's more having a goal to eat within those windows and not worrying about too much if it it goes awry but it sounds like you have a really good diet a really balanced diet actually
2: oh, I mean what, what is interesting is that sometimes whenever I do eat out on a meal and it's, it's that idea of you not knowing what you're truly eating I do um, I've always had the case of having bad acne and sometimes I will have an outbreak. And it always does make me curious to say like, okay, well, how come that, this one week I had very good skin, but then the next week it's just all of a sudden comes as an outbreak. So I think I will certainly take your diary kind of like option going, um, I will start doing a diary about what I eat and see where the outbreak actually does take place. And Yeah, um, and do yeah that there. is a really
0: good idea because acne is related, it's an inflammation. So there's something that's causing an inflammation. So it'd be exactly. interesting to see what that cause actually is and when that's occurring. If it's something in particular you're eating or after a particularly heavy week of eating out or drinking or not enough sleep.
2: Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be taking up too much time, but I, I do have a friend who um, I think he has irritable bound syndrome. Mm. And uh, he literally only started having it when it was his final year at university and um, he was extremely stressed and suffering a bit of anxiety, but all those foods that he was eating um, during that period, he now can't eat. So um, he's, he's basically Lebanese, and so he has a lot of bread in his diet. And now he can't he can't have bread because it will literally just tear him tear in half really. And
0: yeah.
2: all sort of like symptoms. So uh, it's just interesting when you said about the mood and the, the relation to it and your gut. Um, it it really is relatable it really is yeah
0: and I think you know a lot of these things are linked to sort of they're an autoimmune disease and Mm. it's basically your immune system saying enough (laughs) I could tolerate (laughs) so much of it and then all of a sudden you've binged on it and you've had it so much for so long that's it I cannot take it anymore and your body just says no and so there are foods that you probably ate in the past quite happily and no big deal But because he's eaten so much of it in a short period of time, and he's stressed as well, and probably not getting enough sleep, all of those things build up on top of each other, (laughs) cause that inflammation.
2: That's interesting. Thank you.
0: Uh, I
1: think you'll find, thanks Ed. uh, I think you'll find that there's a lot of stress-related kind of um, you know things to do with uh, food really are combined they're quite relatable so a lot of things that happen uh, to the body is is a form of information so everything that kind of happens is is essentially um, controlled by the histamine system so again part of the systems where those hormones that downregulate the information like knee joint you know muscle pain your headaches your you know uh, migraines all all associated with some kind of information mm. yeah so food food in um is basically the body's medicine and how to how to kind of combat that so the things that you eat uh is the things that we need to to down regulate information
0: yeah Yeah, it's It's interesting i was watching an advert the other day just for gaviscon and i was saying to my husband this is ridiculous it's saying basically you can take gaviscon and you can still eat burgers you can still drink late into night you can still do all these really really bad things but just take gaviscon and you'll be fine and like the answer is so obvious stop doing all of those things and you won't need to take the gaviscon in the first place it's inflammation you know even heartburn is inflammation it's your body's way of saying stop it this isn't good for me
1: yeah yeah like uh you know blood pressure you know your blood pressure goes up um skin like rashes uh you know or itching um you know loss of hair you know yeah. it, like everything like a lot of things happen um you'll notice your nails will go um will go you know hard, like dark and that will go brittle you know it's like it's everything's a sign your body has all these things that tell you that you're you're unwell or there's some sort of information somewhere on a, on a small level so yeah food is you know all we need is food and and uh and and, and oxygen yeah mm-hmm. so i think unfortunately
0: a- we're taught by these big pharmaceutical companies that just take a drug and it'll make you feel better just take take this and that'll stop you feeling like this da da da, da. But actually, if we just went back and looked at the root cause of it, it's stress, sleep, food. You know, we just have to look after ourselves and start looking out for those clues. Hundred percent Yeah,
1: and, and and Ed, that's and that's a uh, journaling is probably the, the first point of contact. Like I told people with um and what what Dr. Gilbert was even saying, um, he's a sports psychologist we had last and and Brian would say, you know, journaling is a big, big, big part of, of what they do with their athletes and their students and or what they teach um, you know it's the that awareness you can't change what you don't know mm-hmm. so the fact that people are still trying to change things about their food and about their diet and about themselves but they have taken all these incorrect information from, from the internet is uh, is not going to help them because they won't be able to change as it. incorrect mm-hmm. so that's it's a big it's a big part of that Yeah, you know, the band-aids of, of Gaviscon is it's just a band-aid you know it's not going to painkiller uh it's just you know paracetamol it's just a it's just a band-aid you yeah. uh we get we get digged to that so the gut will get addicted or you mm-hmm. or your brain will get addicted to it so that's a big mm-hmm. part of that that's you know it's a big connection so yeah i think anything else to add uh, to uh, sarah
0: no i think that's probably a really good place to finish it actually
1: <laughs> yeah
0: perfect end <laughs>
1: Yeah, perfect end. I think, um, you know, end of the day, eat food, not too much, and mostly plant, plants. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 Start start journaling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we head off, um, thank you very much, Sarah, for joining us. I know, uh, yeah, know, it's, uh, it's a working day for you, so it's really appreciate you joining up and, and having a chat, and we'll we'll see how and get out the boys and, and everyone will really enjoy it. I know it's, uh, it's not really... Yeah, subject to the men's health, but pretty broad just to everyone.
0: Yeah, like, um, to everybody's you know, health.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. And if anyone's got any questions, now I'll probably do the time. No? Everyone? <laughs> everyone all good? <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for jumping in. And thanks, Sarah, for that chat.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Pete. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. See you Bye-bye. On. thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, and I really hope you did, please take a few minutes to add a star rating and a review. Please also share with your friends who you think may find this useful. Have a fabulous day ahead.